Today's guest is Jordan Luke Collier, the head instructor of Arza Murata. He works closely with Zan Perion, who you may know. If you don't, you should listen to that episode. I think it's in the 30s or something. Jordan, I met five years ago when I was uh, running a intentional community in Brooklyn based on orgasm and all that sex cult stuff that I was a part of. I met him, uh, I mean, we speak about that in, in the episode. Uh, he came uh, to run an Arzamarada, um, I don't know if you called it a boot camp, but a workshop with guys and approaching and stuff. Since then, which was five years ago, we both have evolved and we linked up again here in Chiang Mai, Thailand. It's awesome seeing him again because he and I, have, we've known each other for a while. We haven't really hung out. So we spent the day shooting arrows, we went to an archery range and stuff. And we went into some uh, pretty deep things some deep things that I, I wasn't expecting into. Obviously, we spoke about dating and love and relationships and women and the hero's journey and all that stuff uh, as a man. But also, we got kind of deep into some mystical ideas. And I'm hoping uh, we didn't go so deep that you as a listener get turned off. Actually, what, I posed this later in the episode, but I am curious, um, especially if you're a guy who is earlier in this journey, maybe learning just how to meet or, or learning how to have a better relationship. I'd be curious to see if the stuff that we speak about, especially the mystical stuff resonates because I was thinking like, man, in my early 20s, if I heard guys talking like this, I probably would have tuned out. I think though, going through the whole cycle of, of learning how to connect with women and learning how to be the lover archetype as Jordan speaks about in this episode, I'd be curious if, if it connects some. So hit me up on Instagram. I always love uh, hearing from listeners at Rwando. If you're not on Instagram, uh, you can find me on Facebook or something. Anyway, this is a really awesome uh, conversation and I got a lot of value from it. I'm excited to have Jordan back on the, on the podcast in a few months, actually, when I'm back in Thailand. So uh, please enjoy episode 061, Jordan Luke Collier, Mild Terror. You're listening to the Rwando Podcast, Perpetual Orgasm, Infinite Play. Please subscribe on iTunes and enjoy the show. All right, so we've had a fun little afternoon. We got lunch. We did some archery. Uh, probably many metaphors that we can apply to it. Archery is so good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you were saying, um, yeah, your your dad and your you have you have a male lineage of archery in your family, right? Yeah. yeah. This this is totally throwing me off course during the whole process. This mm -hmm. is basically my first second time really doing archery. First time mm -hmm. doing it like with a proper teacher and so on. And you were saying, you were talking about archery and Zen, right? That mm -hmm. is this meditation, but the more thoughts come in, the more it's going to kick your arrows in bad directions. And yeah. if you can calm the mind, mind you're going to hit every time in the yellow. And I was literally, I'd get one yellow, two yellows. And then this, I was watching my ego. I, I love the, just understanding the ego and watching it and coming from a place beyond it. It's like a particular mm -hmm. favorite thought of mine field of study but i kept having this golden boy complex of like because <laughs> i'm sagittarius right uh -huh. so so it's like i imagine when i go and do archery i'm one i'm sagittarius so my star sign is i'm the archer and then my dad and my uncle were archers as mm -hmm. well and didn't have too much connection with them but the in the family male lineage yeah i'm expecting just to go out there and nail every single shot like <laughs> your y chromosome has archery in it yeah <laughs> exactly and my my golden boy archer complex mm -hmm. got in the way of good shooting yeah it's really funny because the mechanics of archery at least this, i mean i only took the one lesson that you took so i don't know much but it's pretty simple and like the difference between hitting the yellow bullseye and being off, even if you try to do the same exact thing, is really your your mental, emotional state. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it can all literally, I can be lined up, perfect posture, perfect mm-hmm. conscious consciousness over what my body is doing, what my focus is doing. One tiny little thought, like one greedy thing of like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm the man, I'm going to nail this or uh-huh. whatever it's going to be, can literally move the, the yellow and then the arrow ends up hitting the white, which is right outside, you right. zero points. Right. Yeah. And I forget what you were saying about some dating coach analogy, but the one that I, it's like in the moments of uh, like the critical moments when you're speaking with a woman or doing anything where you don't have time to think your emotions are what has you hit the bullseye or not. Like if you're on point, you're, you're in the zone. If you're not, you're going to hit the, you're going to miss the mark because it's yeah. so sensitive and archery. I mean, we could probably come up with analogies to right. up for an hour, but yeah, yeah. Like tension is one of the buzzwords. Oh, right. Yeah. You, yeah. you want to increase sexual, emotional tension and be in those like really thick spaces with a woman and mm-hmm. with a partner. And, and linger there but what happens when because the, the it's all about the bow so you're pulling that that the string and as you're waiting um the whole body is under tension and right. it's like can you actually execute a clean shot under conditions of tension or do you kind of crumble and lose awareness because the tension got too much yeah Super yeah cool. And like the simple, this is the last thing maybe I'll say. It's like, uh, otherwise, the, <laughs> yeah. the archery show. Archery show. Yeah. No, like, um, a lot of like those simple grounding things, like noticing your body, feeling your body, making sure your butt's relaxed. I'll notice it's like easier to notice it with archery because the action is so simple. But if I'm missing four arrows in a row, I'm like, oh shit, my, my legs are actually clenched for no reason. And that's, this is like throwing me off because I have an insecure thought or yeah. a, a prideful thought or something. And if I just relax, feel my body again, I can actually do what I mean to do. Yeah, such a nice practice. Yeah. So I was thinking when we were, when we were about to meet for lunch, we actually met quite a while ago. It's like five years, I think. 2014, it would have been. Yeah. the start of that year. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of wild. Uh, so you, uh, actually, I never even found out how you, fa- I was, I was running, uh, an intentional community based on orgasmic meditation in my cult days many years ago. Yeah. Uh, I guess you had found the house somehow and I, yeah. how did, how did that even happen? I never asked you. Yeah. So I was a couple of years into my work and my journey with the Aza Murata, mm-hmm. And at some point during that journey, we met some people from the, um, community mm-hmm. and, in uh, Europe? in London. Okay. Yeah, we got invited. They their group came to our party one night and then they invited us to their party the next night. And I'm like, who are these people? What is this on? <laughs> Some of these women have got a strong vibration. That's very curious. Like yeah. what, what is this? And uh so I took the opportunity when I went to New York of like, okay, is, is there a way I could find out more about this? And someone told me, oh yeah, you can, you know, pay a bit of money and stay the night. So mm-hmm. great, take care of my lodgings. Yeah. And then you did um you did one, I don't know if they were called boot camps, but you had, you had some clients, our Marathi clients. You were in the garden with us. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I filmed part of it. I was like there hanging out. Uh, I think the, the, the women uh, were all my friends who you had the guys approaching. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that was fun. We were doing a, a weekend workshop about approaching, basically mm-hmm. classic art of fucking up courage, mm-hmm. overcoming the, the limitations and approaching. And we, we were doing... Um, I was doing a lot of kind of under the microscope work at that mm-hmm. time where it's like, okay, you can literally go and talk to women all day long, but, but what is actually happening when you do approach a woman? Like, mm-hmm. um, can you slow down time and observe 
your sense of groundedness mm -hmm. you know like are your feet flat on the floor are you breathing into yeah. your belly like with archery yeah <laughs> <That's, laughs> i'll keep going back and, and yeah and you go straight you know right. you do the walk up you have uh -huh. to hit the bullseye mm -hmm. and then we i think we had four women in the garden and they were mm -hmm. like yeah this is where i'm feeling you this is where oh when you approached us that time literally my whole body contracted and mm -hmm. i felt fear and wanted you to go away but the next girl was like yeah actually i felt tingling in my in my pussy i got excited and and the and the guys are overwhelmed because they've never heard a woman actually give honest reflection. Right. You know, they might be out in a bar and the woman's like, Oh yeah, I'm just going to the bathroom, that's the last I'll see of her. They'll never find out that every time he yeah. approaches her, he has this kind of energetic effect. That that's a mystery for most men. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I don't know. I, I'm just gonna surrender to the archery analogies today. But like, <laughs> we, like when you hit, it's like uh, most guys, like you just said, they get rejected, but they don't know which way to adjust. They have no sense. There's no feedback of like, oh, I was off to the right. Yes. I should go left. Yeah. Like that was so cool because they actually was like, oh, you're doing too much of this. In fact, I bet a lot of guys do too much in the wrong direction. Like they get rejected and they think, oh, they weren't being bold enough i've met a lot of guys a lot of guys from the red pill community are like oh i need to be harder i need to be harder and like no you're you're failing because you're being too hard maybe you need to go the other way and like yeah so i think that feedback is 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 so needed and then yeah. a lot of things but especially meeting women yeah literally like a two or a three hour session like we did and then just someone whispering yeah just slow down a little bit more mm -hmm. breathe deeper open your heart enjoy like Look at the smile on her face. Yeah. Just in, like enjoy that a little bit more. That make that could make all the difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So at that time, 2014, you had just started working with Zan at Amarada. At I was right? two years in by that. Point. Two years. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. 2012. I, I okay. Cool. Linked up with that crowd. Cool. Cool. And uh, I don't. For some reason, I thought you were a police officer beforehand. I must have mixed <laughs> you up with someone else. I bet. Um, so what's what's happened since? I mean, we've, we've kind of crossed paths here and there, I guess, twice in Thailand. Like, how, what has life been like uh, with Amarada and your, your work and stuff? In the last five years. Yeah. Um, you <laughs> the broad that? strokes. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, that is a big and expansive question. Mm -hmm. I've essentially given my life to my interest and my curiosity in this dance of attraction, love, romance, intimacy between men and women. Mm -hmm. um, this has been the thing that fascinated me even as a child. Mm. I think I had um, maybe an, a hypersensitivity to pretty girls mm -hmm. in school. <laughs> and all my friends would be playing football. I'd be like, why have I got a crush on this girl? And the other guys don't uh -huh. have the same kind of thing. And I, I just was really drawn to that. And so... Yeah, I qualified as a coach in my 20s. I was already doing coaching and some mm -hmm. psychology work. And when I found the Aza Murata, I was like this, you know, mm -hmm. let's help men and women understand, like, what determines their connection to, to love. Like, why do some of us get glimpses of the intimacy and the sex that we always hope for? Mm -hmm. And then it can be really difficult to sustain. Why do some of us get, like, really none of that? And mm -hmm. what determines that? And, and how can we... How can we go on a very fruitful journey to have more, more beauty in mm -hmm. our lives, essentially? Yeah, and you're yeah. saying uh, when we were waiting out the rain earlier today, I part of what drew you to Zen is like the big brother thing, or like it was like a mentor. You were saying something about like he had this thing that other people didn't. Could you? I've yeah, I've 
I would say Zan is very much a lover, mm-hmm. but very much a magician. Mm-hmm. And he has this quality of seeing the invisible. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the big, I mean, I went to him for some dating coaching, mm-hmm. basically. I wanted to mm-hmm. be able to speak my truth and have better results for women. I went for a weekend workshop as a client. But what had me stay around was this notion of sub-communication, mm-hmm. which is men can be very over. In general, I'm generalizing here that men very over in their communication and women can be very contextual. Like men mm. rely on the content, women much more in the kind of context. There's fear right. and tones, there's emotionality, there's energy. Uh-huh. And Zan seemed to be able to point to that and speak to it. And I was like, what? There is a language of women? <laughs> like, you know, I, I've got to learn this. I mm-hmm. cannot live my life without understanding the, the subtle communication between men and women. Mm. And so he was a guide for that. But throughout my life, I have always been drawn to the kind of the, the shamans of the world and those that have a bit of mystical knowledge. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like I can feel, I don't know, I believe in a certain kind of magic in a way. And mm-hmm. that type, that archetype, I've always been drawn to. And yeah, I feel like, I feel like I've got a huge amount of answers to those mystical questions that I sought out for years and years. Yeah. But like we talked about earlier in the archery, there's yeah. still a few things that perplex me and still some mysteries of the universe I want to understand. Yeah, I think uh, earlier, actually when around the time we met, I probably was going too deep into exploring every little magical thing. Some of it was bogus, some of it wasn't. But in more recent <laughs> Yeah, I years, love your journey, dude. Like when, when your <laughs> book comes out, I'm going to be like on release date. Down yeah, there. thank you. Um but yeah, I mean, l- lately I've been finding the most magical things and spiritual things. Like when I dig into kind of regular ideas of um, like I, l- last when I spoke with Zen, the way he speaks about beauty, which is a mundane concept, beauty, pretty girls, right? Like, but like when, the way he speaks about beauty, it can't not become mystical at some point. Like when you really go deep into like what is really beauty and like and that's that's uh, it just feels uh, more grounded, but also like equally as fascinating and magical when you take this maybe regular concept and go so deep or self-love, like when you really think about loving yourself, you can't not, it, it can't not become spiritual at some point. Oh yeah. Yeah. Has to. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say this has been my journey for the last five years. Essentially, if in between 2012 and 2014, I was doing a lot of doing some approach workshops i was doing some dating coaching i was Mm -hmm. really helping guys to get into like get over the hump and get into the world of women and Mm -hmm. start enjoying that and then things in my own personal life turned spiritual like Mm -hmm. i followed this this route of inquiry what is attraction what is seduction what Uh is romance and then it turned into a mystical experience Mm -hmm. like moments of like okay i'm with this woman i'm attracted to her i'm speaking my truth she's resonating with me like she feels the same it's mutual and all of a sudden it's like we're in this bubble of ecstasy and it opens the heart it brings tears to the eyes it's like everything i ever wanted is happening right now in in this moment in a cafe or this late at night and it that stoked up a lot of questions like wow yeah here's here's the kind of short story of short kind of lifetime yeah. in the capsule. Yeah, yeah, no, please. I, the way I fell in love as, as a teenager or in my early 20s 
I'd fall in love in the confines of my own head. Mm -hmm. So I would see an attractive girl at school and um, enjoy, I guess, the interactions with her. But then I'd go home and then I'd start imagining like what if we were together and like yeah. if she loved me and only me and all, all this kind of romantic yeah. daydream. I'd yeah, the personal fable stuff. Personal? Oh, I think it's a psycholo psychological term where you create a fantasy. Okay. Our love is the only love in the whole world that's ever existed in history <laughs> like this, but really... Yeah, we, yeah, we yeah. must be soulmates. <laughs> yeah. Stuff. yeah, like no one else has loved as intensely mm -hmm. as I love this girl. Yeah, and, and it was a total illusion because when I was present with her, there wouldn't actually be much emotional sensation in me hmm. probably blocked it all off because of the stress but also in her there was like no reciprocity or mutuality mm -hmm. and at some point during the journey rather than having love falling in love being this thing that I, I would do in my own head in the confines of my bedroom in my fantasy world it started to happen in real life in real time hmm. so I'd be sat there with a woman and be like wow like in, I have some great early experiences of when this started to happen of, of being like wow like we're we're falling in love with each other right now mm. like is aren't we like yeah. you feel that too yeah it's like you're becoming more handsome every single second that goes by and your face is transformed it, it was literally like yeah the the love actually happened in full present time in full connection with women and it was like mutual like real love not the fantasy world but real love yeah and, and you're both in it together for real. You're both perceiving the same color. It's not your own. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, I, I, we're definitely going to speak about intimacy stuff. But this reminded me, um, I recently coached a guy uh, who was saying that he, he's dating someone and he loves her when she's not there. Like when she's not, when she goes home for like the next day, he, he feels so much like adoration and how beautiful she is. But when she's in, when they're on a date, when she's in his home, he can't like access that for some reason, which may perhaps is classic fear of intimacy, but that's the experience. Like, like we want to be in the same place with people, but it's so much easier to have the imagination at home yeah. when they're not there. Yeah. It can't be challenged. It's uh, your own personal reality. Yeah. Yeah. It's tricky to work through. Yeah. It's totally possible. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. so, so a complex Rubik's cube. I mean, that, that's been a big part of my journey. Yeah, so we were speaking about avoidance stuff uh, earlier, and I know um, you're in a monogamous relationship. There's a lot of growth there, which I'm curious. I probably have many questions for you. But you, you're you're sharing, I forget the term you use, like two-person something? A two-person psychological unit. Yes. Yeah, can you, can you speak about that? <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, this is pretty new for me. I've been in my relationship for 18 months mm -hmm. at this moment. And, you know, the classic thing about, falling in love and having a relationship is you get a free ride for like six months you know you fall in love the gods are on your side the whole mystical soulmate thing blows up and all you want to do is be together it's mm -hmm. amazing and then after a little while okay the patterns start coming out mm -hmm. and it's, yeah that those unconscious things i always suspected about myself are now actually happening and that can be kind of confusing you know we for me it's like constantly trying to get awareness of the next dynamic that, that pops up and we have a little fight and then we try and see our part in it and resolve it and get to the next level and so for me um my my life has been about travel and doing my thing mm -hmm. i 
I traveled for the first time when I was 19. I made my first trip to Thailand and it was literally like all my friends were going to have this summer holiday and I was going to go to Thailand and Cambodia and Laos alone, mm -hmm. do my thing. Mm -hmm. And all of my 20s were about Jordan doing his thing. Mm -hmm. And most of my 30s so far were about Jordan doing his thing. Like, I'm designing my life. Who am I? Mm -hmm. What do I want? What am I going to create uh -huh. for myself? Boom, I'm going there. It's supremely powerful, you know, because I cut contact with the naysayers. I created a, a life's journey, which is unique and fulfilling. It's given me a great body of knowledge. But then I come into intimacy with somebody and it's like, yeah, I want a relationship but I want all of the good parts and I want to minimize all the parts that like piss me off or, or stamp <laughs> yeah. on my freedom. So um, my girlfriend would bug me. She always bugs me in the most beautiful, delightful way. But at the beginning, she, she would bug me a lot about sacrifice and say, mm -hmm. if you want a real relationship, you're going to have to sacrifice. And I'm like, sacrifice, compromise, they sound like bad ideas mm -hmm. for a glorious relationship, mm -hmm. right? And uh, I, I started to see the truth in that. Like, I could not sacrifice, but then I'd pay the price with her not being able to trust me. Mm. Like, is he going to show up this week and can I rest into him? Or is he going to, like, not call me for a few days because he got busy doing his own thing? Mm -hmm. And so if I wanted her to actually feel um, a sense of home, like, I could be a home for her to, like, let everything go and open up completely. And if I wanted her to be a home for me, like she felt secure enough in our connection that um, she could have her heart completely open and receptive and devotional towards me. If I wanted that to happen, then I would have to show up with a certain level of consistency, mm -hmm. um, sacrifice some of the things like, oh yeah, I just want to go away and do this retreat or hang out with friends for a few days. Or actually that, that there would be a price to the depth of openness that she could have. Right. And so the word sacrifice came in my radar for the first time. And we made jokes about, like, we'd sing, what was it, Elton John? Like, constantly, that was a theme song for the past six months of our relationship. Be like, baby, it's not sacrifice. <laughs> um, but I guess you're saying there's an opportunity cost both ways. It's not like you're not, you are giving up something, but you're giving up something bigger or possibly more fulfilling if you do your own thing. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So so I'm giving up, ongoingly, I'm giving up more and more of my autonomy. And if you've got the Western mindset, freedom is the number one value yeah. like in everything. I'm, <laughs> I'm giving up parts of my freedom to discover that a sense of home, let's call it that, mm -hmm. is more valuable. And I've found different layers and steps in the journey towards deeper intimacy over the years. But to look into my girlfriend's eyes... And for her to look into mine and us to be together and, and, and both of us say and recognize like, like you are my home. This is my home. We can travel everywhere we want to go in the world, but I never feel like I can just let go and surrender and be myself and open as much as I can when I'm with you. Mm. doesn't matter what country or house we're in, but the connection that we've created is home. And I can trust the stability of that home fully to always be there and not fuck up with my needs when I most need safety that's that's kind of the essence of the 
sweet person. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, I, I, I'm just noticing as you're saying all this, I'm like, a part of me is like, wow, that sounds so beautiful. And there's like another part of me is like, no, <laughs> like, like I feel a contraction. Like I feel like a, a TV that's like not finding, you know, the right tracking. Yeah, me, uh, me too, man. <laughs> it's like the ultimate longing to feel at home with the ideal lover, for yeah. you, like a beautiful woman. And then, I mean, yeah, I mean, I long and part of my work and just my spirit is to eulogize about love. This is how beautiful women can be. This is how beautiful intimacy can be. Relationship, like we should devote our lives to becoming masters of the skills of relationship and intimacy because it, as men, it adds years to our lifespan. Yeah. It helps us with purpose, with creativity, it makes us feel great. And yet I've gone into the depths of my relationship the way it is now like kicking and screaming. Hmm. Like resisting and denying and throwing up all my shit. Yeah, I, I'm I'm feeling like mild terror even like thinking about it. Like, because I I do want that eventually. I'm dealing with my own avoidance. Yeah. So yeah, this is really interesting to hear. Uh, and you were saying something earlier. My, mild terror. Mild terror. Yeah. That <laughs> That'll be the name of this episode. <laughs> mild terror with Jordan Luke Collier. Yeah. The other, the other thing my girlfriend says is, "This is relationship. Get used to it." <laughs> Uh, so, uh, you're saying that she has, uh, she's anxious and you're avoidant for the most part. Is that right? Yeah. For the most part, mm -hmm. like I, I don't want to label her this or me that. Yeah. But just but those are the like, tendencies. Rather. Yeah. Yeah. There are some kind of pulls and fluctuations under the surface. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. And you're saying something which I think is really important about when she's feeling anxious, like you, you soothing i mean I, maybe i misinterpreted when you first said the term but like you're this one unit together and you know uh if there's something going on with her because of you it's really the 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 super organism that you are it's like <laughs> the super organism is being attacked and, and it's not operating yeah this has been one of my more recent discoveries we've um we're together like 90% of the time and mm. it's pretty harmonious living together. We can live in close quarters, share the smallest of rooms and get along really, really well. Um, we're a great fit. When things go long distance, it gets a lot more tricky for us mm -hmm. because the simple being together, like the nourishment of just being in the space with your lover is not mm -hmm. there. And so what happens to the relationship? She wants more connection because when she is in connection with somebody, if she is anxious or um, not feeling so good or like emotional or has some kind of need, mm -hmm. uh, the way that she feels soothed is to come into connection with someone that she loves and feels safe with. Mm -hmm. And the fact that there's like one nervous system and another nervous system coming together in a space of love and good presence, that allows her anxiety to 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 release mm -hmm. it nourishes her in deep ways a lot of her needs are fulfilled and sometimes within like 10 15 minutes she's like totally refreshed and feels solid and stable yeah and, and it's just when she doesn't feel quite in center she needs to come into connection with me to have that just calm down and you and me <laughs> on the contrary with the other kind of typology the way I guess we had our young childhoods. Mm -hmm. um, anytime we have needs, we're like, yeah, I just need to kind of extricate myself from the situation and I can take care of myself. Yeah. So it's like that 
and the avoidantness. Yeah. yeah, that that core dynamic of like, yeah, I'm also like missing you and a bit heartbroken and lonely, and I'm going to deal with that by just being by myself, taking care of myself, and then doing what needs to get done. Mm-hmm. So I'm focusing on my work purpose. Um, and you want to talk to me for an hour every day, and uh, I kind of don't want to go there. Yeah, you know, because you're going to talk about what who you had lunch with the thing that you had in the restaurant, the cute dog that you saw on the way home, something that you're stressed about. Like I, maybe it's more of a masculine thing, but I want to feel like we're going somewhere in these conversations. There must be a reason for (laughs) us exchanging information. (laughs) I want to be practicing something or going deeper or or something somewhere. Where she's just grasping to feel you. Or maybe not even grasping, that's a negative word, but she just needs to feel you. My, yeah, my, my new understanding of it is her nervous system just needs to calm down and I'm her attachment partner I'm her her home Mm -hmm. so she needs to come and do this ideally once a day and once I started seeing things and you know it's not her being demanding it's not her being jealous or mistrusting or controlling it's like her nervous system needs to feel like it it gets nourished and feels like Mm -hmm. home she operates in just the way that would trigger my normal tendencies mm. into closure. So I'm yeah. I, so I have a magical question for you because, like, um, I mean, I have these certain long distance connections, and I also feel like I don't want to Skype every day. I don't even want to Skype every week. I mean, I, I love these, you know, these connections, these women. Um, but what was interesting is one can kind of like she'll message me as like today I feel disconnected like something what's going on in your life that's like she can feel me across the way and uncannily a lot of the times it's like when I'm connecting with someone else that night or something like that and like um I'm wondering and the thing that I keep thinking is like is there a way to connect without needing the Skype if the Skype is just a medium for connection can is there like an energetic thing like psychic dreams yeah, or, or, or I, was, I was thinking like, I mean, if, if I if I say, keep this woman in my thoughts, will she feel connected even though I didn't text her today? I don't know if you've ever played with that or have any noticings with that. Yeah, I believe that in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, come to think of it, I believe that very much. Like if I'm thinking of my girlfriend all day, so we're in different continents mm-hmm. like we are right now. Um, if I'm thinking about her all day, my heart is open. The next time I talk with her, she seems um, like fulfilled and, and held and connected to mm. and absolutely good. And if I've literally gone an entire 24 hours and not thought of her once, because I've been mm-hmm. like doing, 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 doing. Next time I speak to her, she, she's, you know, her brow is furrowed and she feels uh-huh. cold and she might not say anything. She might complain a little bit. But I think through the ether, we do feel each other. I, I don't know how it is if, you, if you're seeing a few girls. Like, that must get totally complex, like the cross wires of yeah. being open relating. But with one woman, it's, I mean, we are, we're very attached. Like, huh. you know, we've created a thing. Yeah. Well, it's, um, I, I'll, I'll tell you, like, to the day she'll message me, it's like, oh, I felt, like, cold towards you today. And, like, that those hours I was with someone else and like, I was like, ah, I mean, um, so another magical thing when I was going deeper, when I was in the cult and going deeper in this stuff, I had, uh, 
I guess it was like a coaching session with a witch doctor, self-described witch doctor. She was referred to me by like another teacher. Like you need to talk to this witch doctor. And it was basically a coaching session where she didn't like ask me anything. She just told me, she just like channeled whatever. And she was, she said out of nowhere, oh, you have all these jealousy things with women, but you don't have to. You don't need to change anything. You just need to learn how to energetically connect with the ones you're not with when you're with someone else. And I had no idea what that meant. That was five, that was maybe six years ago, and now I'm thinking about it. I was like, oh, I need to figure this out. Like, there's something, there's something to this uh, long distance, wordless, totally immaterial connection. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I believe in it, and my kind of hunch is my own inner witch doctor. Mm-hmm. You know, after all these years of chasing these mystical mentors around the world, uh-huh. I, you know, I get my. I would say something like to, to look at a picture of her face or like I have my girlfriend's image on my wall and she's mm-hmm. not here, but I can, when I'm having a morning coffee or I take a break from work, I can just see her face and I can look at that, feel a little bit of love in my heart and maybe say a little prayer mm-hmm. or just say a few words like, oh, may you be well, my love, or just mutter something in my head. But like a little prayer for all intents and purposes. Um, I think that might be enough. Mm-hmm. Like that's what it means to stay connected huh yeah <laughs> yeah i mean it's worth it's, i'm just thinking now like man 10 years ago when i was trying to get laid i would never have thought i would be trying i would be saying prayers to pictures as like my next <laughs> thing my next level of growth i right, figured out approaching you figure out number closes now pray <laughs> to, yeah to her photo pray while you're sleeping with another woman pray to connect <laughs> with her heart so she doesn't feel closed next right time speak. send her some orgasm the waves we're advanced yeah i know this is this is yeah (laughs) (laughs) um anyway going back where were we oh yeah the avoidance thing so i i don't know if i asked you is this like the first time you've been monogamous long term with someone Mm -hmm. yeah can you share because i mean i again feel mild terror when i think about even like commitment to that level can you share about how that transition was for you yeah I'd love to. It's, um, I think it's almost worthy of writing a book about, because I work with so many men who are looking for the similar thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, my younger years, I fell in love a lot in my own head. So they weren't real relationships. I might right. have been dating a girl for a while, but it wasn't really that intimate. And then when I started to feel more confident, um, about my sexuality in particular, then I would have lovers, you know, I would travel here and there, but it would only be a few weeks or a few months at the most, and we would never really build that base. So, um, to come into the relationship, wow. I mean, one side of this is how do you know when you literally, I have questions of like, where am I going to live this year? You know, we're living in this time in history where we can go on an app and swipe and get a bunch of dates within the same day. It's mm-hmm. like ordering fast food, you know, mm-hmm. like getting a few dates on the phone. Let alone who do I choose to build something with or go deep with? Mm-hmm. Where do I even live? Like if you're freelance online or live in this nomad type lifestyle like we are, not, not everyone is there, but um, a lot of people are. Where do I live this year? Where do I want to live this year? Let alone who do I go deep yeah. with? That is like, and when, when you're able, like, so as men on this path, I think one of the things we're looking for is freedom, right? Women as well. Right. I don't want to just focus on men, but like we want freedom to work anywhere in the world. It's big, urge, fashionable, beautiful. 
Um, we want the freedom to be like sexually attracted to a whole host of different possibilities. Everyone. So we have a sense of yeah, everyone, yeah. depending on your <laughs> megalomania for it. <laughs> um, yeah, but like we want that, but but it's a um, the paradox of choice because right. then it becomes super hard to know when to when to settle down. And so I was wrestling in my mind for years. Like I remember telling a funny story. We um we were in texas where you you were talking about yeah. earlier and we were doing a salon so we had a lot of men and women gathered and we were all talking about love and romance and our adventures and i was telling the story about being this peter pan lover which mm -hmm. i was at the time traveling to all these different places flying in through the window whisking <laughs> wendy off to an adventure for like mm -hmm. two weeks and then leaving her back and then uh -huh. going back to never neverland basically and I told this story about the way I was loving. And then one, one year I would come back like on Christmas Eve to somewhere like London or New York City. And I'd go back to the, to the, the living room window of the, the girl that I loved the most. And I'd knock on the window and she's putting presents under the tree and the turkeys coming out of the mm -hmm. oven and all those Christmas kind of stereotypes. And I'd knock on the window being like, oh yeah, your Peter Pan lover's like lonely and out in the cold and out in the snow. And she's looking back at me and she's literally like, I can't, you know, I've grown up. I'm in a real relationship. Mm. You can't come in. And yeah, I, I told that story in a very ironic way, but it totally came true. Mm. And Wait, so you were in the earlier phase, were you projecting this, that this is a thing that might happen or had that already happened at some level? I already felt it on some huh. level. Yeah. There, there needs to be a male, a masculine version of always the bridesmaid, never the bride, mm. but like always the lover, never the boyfriend. Yeah. Well, I thought about that with, uh, you know, Good Luck Chuck. It was a rom-com. It was like this guy, he had a curse on him, whereas every woman was attracted to him because after sleeping with him, the next man would become their soulmate. So he had, all these women would find out and like, I need to sleep with this guy because I'm going to meet my real man right after him. So he was always left... He had, he had all these sexual experiences because women were using him as a talisman. And then, Perfect. Yeah. And so he's like half in heaven because his sexual, um, like the demand for him sexually is just rising and rising and rising. Right. He's now the sex god. But no one stays. Total poison chalice because his yeah. suffering increases the more he has sex. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and so at some point it's like, okay, I can live anywhere in the world. I can like have such a massive choice of women then like how do you actually grow out of that sense of abundance and openness and freedom to actually want to be with one woman mm -hmm. that i mean that's a massive question yeah and i'm now wondering because i mean so if you're not getting laid then almost every guy's quest is to have this problem right yeah. like um yeah. and but um, then so i've been i've been well there's a bit of a tangent but i've been uh, reading a lot about storytelling and how to structure my book and things like that and they're like in all the great stories there's a refusal of the call like or there's actually, uh, they named it something else. Basically, the hero finds out the solution to all his problems early in the movie or early in the story, and, he's, and they ignore it. And then it comes back, and they go through all these foibles, and at the end, they realize, oh, I learned, you know, that person told me the answer. And I'm wondering now if, like, do you think men should or need to experience the Peter Pan experience before they settle down? Or is it perhaps more evolved to come to this conclusion immediately? Maybe it's not a question that we can answer, but depends on the man. Like I, I wondered this. One of my best friends from school got married when he was twenty-three with like mm -hmm. his second girlfriend. So he had one 
little girlfriend at school and mm. then he had this girlfriend they got married and I was so embarrassed but it was like the wedding night and uh-huh. he came around to speak to me and I'm like you know dude something in my heart I really wanted to ask you don't know how to say it and he's like are you gonna ask me if I feel bad that I didn't fuck more women while I had a chance like, yes <laughs> he said like not an issue and he huh. literally marriage deepened had his two kids corporate career is going very well epitome of a secure relationship basically very beautiful thing to see hmm. um but some men you know if they've got that wiring or like our I guess our hero's journey is that we need to venture on through the land of women until we find that fundamental deep acceptance or mm-hmm. fundamental like oh yeah okay like I did what I needed to do the solution is within mm-hmm. I don't need to do xyz in the world yeah. of women but um I, I don't know if you can just get that through being smart or doing a lot of therapy I think uh-huh. there's a lot to be said for going out every hero's journey <laughs> I didn't hear of any hero's journey where the guy went to a therapist the therapist <laughs> like uncovered the the shadow you know right. like why do you want to go on this quest well it's funny you should say that let me just release that you know and now you yeah. don't have to go on it anymore. end of no, movie no like some, yeah. some of us have to live out an epic story and inflict some pain and atone for it and right. you know suffer for it and find salvation yeah and i guess yeah not everyone has to that's part of the fun of life also like in the same book i was reading it was saying um fairy tales have to start with the hero do like ignoring the advice like don't open this cabinet or don't eat the apple like otherwise there's no story yeah hmm. on another lens i'm thinking uh like on the science side i, I was uh reading this great book on testosterone and how you know there's a lot of male personality comes from this like the high testosterone versus low testosterone for instance and the behaviors are so different in what is really natural like these high testosterone guys almost never can stay in a marriage they sleep with a lot of women and maybe that's actually the best thing for them whereas like other guys are meant for uh pair bonding earlier in life and maybe a lot of us are in between and uh and there's some theories that like there's like different types of males like some birds there's like the male that has sex with everyone and the male that takes care of things and, and maybe there's just types that we don't consider when we're talking about men's work <laughs> you know there's many journeys yeah yeah hmm. very much so how did you know how did you know this was the right thing i mean the the commitment the monogamy yeah because realistically you probably have already given up many adventures to have this one uh with your with your partner yeah yeah this is an interesting question and um some of the listeners might get value from this some might some might not it's <laughs> <laughs> always the case with the podcast right, episode right. right but um yeah some might not resonate or think it's a little bit spooky or a little bit weird but um on the one hand i was getting a little bit tired of uh traveling and loving the whole mm. thing of sowing my wild oats or whatever um it started to feel like more distraction than kind of energy or pleasure gained so i just slowed down and started tailing off with some of my exploits romantic exploits let's say and i suffered a few bruises along the way like there were a couple of times where i came close to something deep but it didn't work out um for her reason or my own so yeah i was starting to get a little bit 
you know, the Peter Pan knocking on the, the mm-hmm. window, like feeling a bit of bit of sadness for nothing deeper having yet emerged. And as I slowed down, I started to feel more and more my loneliness, mm. which was incredibly sweet. Mm. I think most of us are organized to avoid loneliness, right? Okay, I'm lonely, I'm going online. Okay, I'm lonely, I'm going out. I'm lonely, I'm going to Tinder, I'm going to hook up. But I started to sit with the creative work I was doing at the time and my feelings of loneliness. And I just had enough of a, maybe enough skill with a little bit of yoga and meditation Mm -hmm. that I could feel my loneliness and feel the immense sweetness of the loneliness. And I think as I became more and more accepting, like even loving it, like, wow, like this is with me and I don't have to do anything to make it go away. I can just live. I'm phenomenally creative. My heart is getting um, kind of pulverized and tenderized by this feeling that lives within me. It's good for my creativity. There's beauty immersion with my clients. My friendships with women are becoming like just more heart opened. And I felt the sweetness of the loneliness. And as that, that kind of shaped me and formed me. And at one point I was like, I can imagine if, if the right woman comes along soon, like I'm totally ready for a relationship. So that was one process that was happening. And the other thing that, that, that I was toying with was the notion of surrender. And so with this paradox of choice, I can live anywhere. I can have a big choice of women. Who the hell do I choose? If I leave such a decision down to my conscious mind, you know, the one that makes mm-hmm. lists and tries to plan mm-hmm. the perfect route forward, like it's never going to make a decision. Mm-hmm. Or it's just going to try and figure out the right woman. Mm-hmm. And what I know about me and what I know about especially my clients who try to figure out who is the right woman, we're, we're writing out the list of pros and cons. Right. The skepticism enters into the air and there's really not much of a surrender in the heart. Right. Like if you're kind of profiling, analyzing a woman to see if she, you know, should I make a discerned decision to go deeper with her or not? Coming from that place romance is extremely limited like there's not much ecstasy in the the intimacy that happens so i was like yeah when my time comes i think a higher knowing or a higher power call it god whatever um like a partner's going to get chosen for me and and it's not going to be a partner i consciously kind of strategically decide upon Something magic is going to emerge through me and a woman, and both of us will ride that wave. How do you discern that feeling from infatuation? Because that's where I—the last year and a half—I've known this is not a good idea, but I have this running list of women lovers, and they have pros. Exactly what you said, and I know it's not a good idea, but it gives me comfort. It gives my ego, my mind comfort to have this list. I have control. I'm going to make a rational, I'm going to get the highest expected value partner, um, which I I mean, and I've been doing better about not thinking that way. Um, But I get infatuated so easily. And and maybe this is like a trick I've played with myself of like thinking my heart's open, but it's really, I'm just like getting high on oxytocin or something. So I don't trust myself because when I fall for a woman i want to move in immediately and have that fable and then two months later i'm like ah 
So like, yeah. Do you have any advice? This is very directly. This is very personal to me. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. thanks. Uh, I owed it. Yeah. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's easy to say. Yeah. Do you have any advice for our listeners? Yeah. No. No. It's just for me. It's all for me. <laughs> um. Hopefully, it benefits others too. Yeah. No. I'm on the spot. Don't want to do you wrong with bad advice. I I think my first hit is um, like if you get a clear red flag, maybe that's that's a good idea to keep some space and not go there. Hmm. Like literally, if the vibration of the woman, the energy of the woman has got the flavor of like, oh, I went for her type before and it was super painful. Hmm. Maybe, yeah, no. Um, But yeah, also write it out like. We're gonna fall, like if if we follow the bodily wisdom and the heart's wisdom for who to fall in love with, I think we're gonna commit some real mistakes, um, and that's absolutely fine because you'll go into those mistakes and learn the lesson. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, my heart what like there was a part of me that was like infatuated with this particular profile of woman because I was still seeking something. There was an unintegrated part, but I needed to have this love affair mm-hmm. to find out that lesson and and have it. And and for me, I. I fell in love with a few red flags. That was painful. Then I really followed my heart and had some epic things, but they didn't work out or they didn't go long term. Mm. There was a lot of learning in that. Then I got to the stage where it's like, okay, we're with Adelia, my girlfriend now. I met her and it was like, okay, brutally 10 out of 10, love and ecstasy and the, the infatuation, the oxygen, like it doesn't get any more falling in love than this. Mm. I'm like a surfer. This is the big wave. I'm in Hawaii. This is the big wave. I'm going to ride it. And I tried to ride some big waves before of falling in love, but I fell off. Mm. But this wave came on. And to this day, I managed to stay on my board riding mm. this wave of relation. And I could fall off in any minute. And they're like, oh, yeah, why didn't I see those red flags stamped all over this relationship? Mm. Here I am, podcast and whatever, talking about my love for this girl. And, you know, I missed the glaring obvious. But to this day, we're, we're staying in the relationship. And then interestingly, now that we're in the relationship and, and she loves to go deep and like, what's your shadow? We, she asked me this, like, you're this Aza Murata coach teaching men about seduction. Like, what, what's your fucking problem? You know, like, <laughs> why were you screwed up that you had to make a life trying to understand women? Uh-huh. And, and, and I'm like, that's a really good question. Yeah. Let, you know, let's explore that. Like what happened? And so, you know, we're connecting on this deep level. And we come, I see red flags in her from time to time. She sees red flags. We're in a relationship and we see stuff that's like, And then we work on that. Both of us have got to a point in our life where we've got just enough skill that we can stay in the love affair and stay in it and keep it being safe and safe, functional, thriving. And, and I could have taken some waves before, but I didn't have a skill level to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I, 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 I like that it's like kind of a very Taoist way, right? I mean, or in, like seeing the infinite game of like, and that, that was one thing that gave me comfort uh, in the relationship situation I'm in, is just thinking whether or not this is supposed to be long-term or if this is the right woman, keeping my heart open and I guess riding the wave using your imagery. Is, is the only way I'm going to progress, whether I fall off or not. And I think that's a really good way to look at it. Yeah. I feel like the, I like the answer. Hopefully yeah. it helps other hope you guys listening. <laughs> <laughs> Have a question for a friend. Yeah. <laughs>
someone I know. Um, does this relate? You were mentioning earlier about like the cutting edge. Uh, I think you were talking about men's development, the heart. Is this what you're talking about? This type of uh... yeah, like these themes that we're talking about today are really close to my heart. Yeah. And this is where a lot of the work I'm doing is focusing now. A lot of the things that I want to talk about is this. Mm -hmm. There's my progression. A lot of my clients have a similar progression. I want to learn how to approach women. I felt stuck. I want to get that monkey off my back and feel freedom. Yeah. And then the next part, you know, like women like me, but I want to feel sexually powerful. Like mm -hmm. I want to know and have some sense of mastery that I can seduce and lead her somewhere that's more than a friendship. Like that's the sex, best sex of her life. And that's another phase. And then where my, where my cutting edge is, the conversation I want to have is like, yeah, I'm good with women. I can have sex. Women are attracted to me. Like, why can't I open my heart? Like, I want to open my heart fully. I want to feel impacted. I work with a, I work with a lot of guys who become good ladies men. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, yeah, I have women here. I have women here. I go to Bucharest and have a girl. I go back to the States and have a girl. I go here and have a girl. But like, I want, I want my life to be profoundly rocked by the magnitude of love, you know, that mm -hmm. I know is possible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was um the last workshop I took and, in and Bali. stay in it. Like yeah. not, not just have the two week high, but then like how can I fall in love? How can I have this mystical experience of falling in love? And then how do I create that sense of home so that that love and that relationship is going to sustain me ongoingly and how can we experience devotion and have that fuel my work, my purpose, my feeling of being, you know, the, the king on this earth. Yeah. Yeah, that resonates a lot. I mean, uh, the Peter Pan thing, I think I felt a little bit too. Uh, and um, I forgot what I was going to say. I was just... <laughs> I got... <laughs> yeah, I cut you off. Yeah, I know. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, yeah. I was, I was in, a, in a workshop in Bali where they... Uh, it's kind of a shamanic thing. And they asked what you, you write down an intention. And the only thing I could... I was like, I think it was the first time I don't have a material longing. Like I don't want to get laid more. I mean, all these things I still want, like money, women, sex, all those things. Yeah. But like, I was like, oh, the thing that I feel is really missing in my life is like the rapture where I'm like being pulled by something. And like, this is magical, not because I'm dressing it up or lighting incense, but I feel like I'm being, this is like, you know, yeah, it's hard to put into words, but yeah, that, that's beauty. I think yeah. like bringing it back to Zen and, and the word beauty at the beginning, like rapture, I mean, my sense of the word is like, I stand just awestruck by the immense, yeah. everything of this moment and this woman and this feeling that's between us. Yeah, I'm curious to see, I, I'd love, especially you guys listening, whoever you are, I'd be curious to see if this resonates and at, at what level. So I'm thinking, would I have understood what we're talking about or related to this at all 10 years ago? And uh I'm just curious. So shout out to you listening. Hit me up. I'd, I'd be curious to know. Yeah, uh, shoot me a line on Instagram at Rwando. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, this cutting edge, I, I was speaking about this with uh, my friend Aaron, who you met. He's been on the podcast. Um, they, I, I, this might just be my limited perception, but I do think there's some sort of zeitgeist or, or like, you know, shift among men obviously i know for myself my sample of guys i talk to are definitely not representative of the population but yeah but i do feel like there's there is a shift where like pickup was an important uh movement within men's work and 
you know, there's another swing of like the far left, super soft stuff. And this is not a new concept of balancing the yin and the yang, but I think there is a, a fairly small group of thinkers and coaches who are really driving for the ideas that you're bringing up. I don't know if you've know if that's your perception or maybe I'm just talking to a few guys. Well, yeah, I don't know either. I mean, I've got the same skewed worldview mm. as you. Where most of the people I know share the same values and think the same way. Like, yeah. Well, maybe think of it as that. Uh, so I, I mean, I feel it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I hope so. Or you know, I guess every small group of people thought that their movement was a thing. But I've had like clients and students reach out and be like, yeah, there's only a few of you. Like there's Zen, there's Steve Maeda, there's us, you know, there's people. And like, there's a lot of, it's like kind of hard to find uh, what resonates. And not to say that our way of thinking is the almighty truth, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just interesting to think about. It is funny that, and I, I think as I've been exploring, looking for different ideas and practices to, you know, evolve my own basically, and enrich me. I've resonated a lot with um, some of the world of psychology. Mm -hmm. I think the archetypal stuff that also... Yeah, the young, I'm in a rabbit hole. Yeah, that. <laughs> that's beautiful and fascinating. Uh -huh. A lot of spirituality has informed me, um, but, I mean, not some of the... I mean, that's actually a minefield, actually, just to say the word spirituality and everything, but mm -hmm. like particularly the kind of love mystics, you know, the Sufi tradition yeah. and the way that, that these guys and the poets would, would talk about their love for God. Like, yeah, because all rapture, all their poems are like yeah. the drunkenness of loving. Drunk, drunk on ecstasy. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's informed me a lot. And then Zan, of course, is working closely with this uh, Roger Scruton. He, he's an English philosopher. He, he talks about beauty. So it's the philosophy of mm. aesthetics, mm. basically, and why culture is important to preserve because he, he, he talks a lot about conservative politic philosophy, basically. In England, we've got two parties, the Labour and the Conservatives, and mm -hmm. the Conservatives is a bit more the Republican side. Mm -hmm. So it's like, ooh, you know, some people don't. But like they're, they're in power at the moment, so they're mm -hmm. kind of like the bad guys and so on yeah. for a lot of people good guys for others but um the essence of that philosophy is like there are beautiful things in our culture like going back to shakespeare and beyond and every culture's got their heroic playwright or mm -hmm. their grand musician or whatever um and he's saying there's this lineage of beauty that that extends back hundreds and thousands of years and all of our people have been involved in that and so if you know the the grandeur of shakespeare's plays or the beauty of like the Beatles music or whoever's current right now, um, that is inherently beautiful. Mm. And so we love that so much. Like the, the, the music of our time has given us so much solace, consolation, um, affinity, sense of being at home in this mm -hmm. one human life that we've got to do all, that, all we can to protect that and pass it on to the next generation. Because the world is moving so fast. It's like, mm. you know, the cell phone generation... <clears throat> Yeah. You know, are they going to have connection to the beauty and the transcendence that comes through that? Huh. And yeah, on a tangent with you, but these are some of the themes that, that Roger Scruton talks about that Zan's very interested in at the moment. Like, and what I've been doing this summer, I, I worked with a couple of different meditation teachers that were talking about the meditation and the yoga of beauty, which is how can I meditate? Now, you know, if we didn't lose the listeners before, <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 I think we totally have now, but 
how can I meditate in a certain way on uh, a film, like a movie, uh -huh. on a, a, a masterpiece, like a painting, um, an, an item, like a photograph, a piece of music, contemporary or classical? How can I go into a state of meditation and open myself so much that the, the gifts of that art flood my being? And I don't just stand there and think, oh, that's a cool painting. But mm. I can have an experience of rapture almost on command mm. because I've trained my nervous system to open to beauty and, and expand beauty. Yeah, I have three, like, it's made me think of a lot of things. Um, the, the first is reminded me, like, my dad uh, would always say when I was growing up, there's no point ever getting to know fashion or art or fads because they change all the time. So clearly they're bullshit, which yeah. is like maybe a hyper masculine, you know, left brained way of thinking. Like, but like what you're saying is making me, like, it's reminding me, well, that's, that's like, there's like a thread of culture that has to evolve. And yes, the fashionable or the you know, avant garde are, are like tapped into that feeling because it's not a material thing. It's like, why are, why are bell bottoms out of style now? I don't know. But, but in that moment of time, that was the right thing. And just like in a certain moment, a woman feels a certain emotion. Um, but then it's also making me think are you from with Ayn Rand? It's a conservative. No, uh, no actually. Well, a conservative uh, American philosopher, happened to be a woman. I, I forget what era she was popular, I think the 50s or 60s. But, um, she, I remember, she, I landed a lot of conservatives in America now will quote her and stuff. She, she has a lot of books on, on that. But she would speak about how if you're really appreciating beauty, you have to also call out what's ugly. And like, like the idea that, um, that you can appreciate everything kind of removes the, the concept of beauty. Well, if, if, you, yeah. if you treat everything the same, then like who cares if there's poop on the wall? Um, yeah. And then right, anyway, the, last, the last I thought, I'm, I'm just curious – do you think you've become more conservative in your ideals as you've gotten older? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, not enough to vote conservative in my own country's mm -hmm. elections because I think what they're doing is not conservative in the way that I see it. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it's funny, you know. Um, there is a swing of interests, which is when I was 21, I read like Marx and, mm -hmm. you know, leftist politics at school. And I was like, the world is shit. It was George Bush and Tony yeah. Blair. And, um, <laughs> things have got to change. And I've got no sense of power. The world is so big and confusing. What the fuck are these multinational companies doing? I don't fit in. I'm just going to go traveling and see if I can break off my piece and have a half decent life while I do it. And hopefully there's like revolution in the corporate structure mm -hmm. that helps out the guy with no money in his bank account. <laughs> and uh, that would be my way. So I, I was more swinging to the left, you know, like let's give the underdogs a chance. And as you get older, it's like, yeah, I put in a good 15 years of effort now to really understand how the world works. I kind of don't want it to change too rapidly because I found my, I found my groove. And now I'm a bit like, it's just a self-serving mechanism of, a, of, a, of an animal being worried about its safety. I'm like, world don't change too much i i've got roots of a good career now i want to build that out and hopefully this this you know i can surf this wave into my old age and live a nice life because i like my life yeah 100 percent. like uh when we met i was super like pro anarchy i would watch the walking dead and kind of wish for it to be like that uh it's so i forget was it winston churchill it might be misattributed that if you're not liberal when you're in your twenties, you have no 
heart. And if you're not conservative in your 30s, you have no head. I might be getting that wrong. I might be getting the words, but something like, something like that. Yeah. And so I was like, man, I mean, I, I, when I, I, I can't believe that I lean right on certain things because when I, you know, just six, seven years ago, I thought like everything, you know, Marxist communal anarchy, everything on everything. And now I find that, you know, I guess the culture has shifted left. So we're, where we are, we are. Um, yeah, I just think it's interesting it as, is, as you age. So very cliche, but everyone I know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I've, I've watched the most rebellious left-wing friends like, <laughs> turn into their conservative father, like in really stereotypical ways, yeah. which is kind of funny. But um, yeah, I mean, zooming out, I think politics has to go from one side to the other. Mm-hmm. It's just the, the, the discourse of the, you know, the dancing between these two polarities. But mm-hmm. I think having this conversation with you one thing that's very important is to break out of my bubble with people that have the same worldview as me mm-hmm. and meet other people that have a different struggle yeah and it's so easy just to be kind of trapped within our community of you know men with good hearts that are looking for beauty actually there's a lot of people that have totally different life struggles yeah yeah. yeah, sometimes I get shocked with from my, like when my female friends mention like, "Oh, men are always doing this." And I was like, "I don't know a single guy who has ever catcalled." <laughs> no, no one I'm close to, at least. And I, I, have to, I have to remember that there's all this, this huge population of guys I don't know. And uh, yeah, I guess when it comes to everything, yeah. So this hour flew by. No kidding, huh? Yeah, it's been flies by quicker than yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, is there anything else you want to share about uh, anything? Yes. Probably. Yeah, my, my mind is a little bit yeah, well, just, by all these to, different threads. I'll try to run us back. Uh, we had monogamy, avoidance. Oh, actually, one thing. Uh, we were speaking about earlier about immersion. And I think you are mentioning your clients, but also in your own life, like uh, diving into something. I forget what phrase you used, but diving into something until you figured it out. Uh, and we're speaking about people we know and like students we've had, like when you dive all into it, then things happen. But when you're, when you're trickling through, maybe it's very slow. It doesn't happen. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that? Two forms of growth. I guess, yeah. I guess like if, you know, our job on earth is to coach, guide men through this journey to understanding their sexuality, their heart, their relationships. Mm-hmm. It's two forms of growth, which is to engage in this little and often and have it grow you over a, 10-year period, 15-year period, or the other side, which is literally to take a lover's sabbatical, Mm -hmm. which is, I'm, you know, I'm going to wrap up my professional project. I'm not going to take on any work for the next 18 months or two years, and I'm just going to travel the world, and I'm going to do workshops, and I'm going to learn about my feelings, my relationship, my sexuality. Um, And yeah, I mean, the guys that have made the biggest, most substantial, like, amazing progress on this journey that I've worked with in the guys that literally took a sabbatical Mm. 18 months off and and there's is it in Iron John it's in one of these books where they talk about um, there was a particular moment in history I don't know if it's Middle England or maybe uh, medieval Renaissance Italy Mm -hmm. something like that but uh, a boy would go through different phases of his life, mm-hmm. different initiations. And one of those initiations would be a three-year stint where he dedicated himself to the arts. Mm. So the, the, the 
the thinning out of the lover archetype within mm. him. And he would learn poetry, he would learn classical art, he would learn theatre, piano, he would learn how to woo, mm. you know, court a woman and dress in, in, in the right way for the right occasion and behave in the right way in the ball. And uh, so, I mean, people in the modern world listening to this in corporate America or corporate Australia or corporate <laughs> England or corporate wherever, we're trained as warriors, you know, turn up on time, do your workload, right. win or die, you know, lose yeah. your job effectively. So, so we're trained to be warriors. We're trained to be magicians and innovators. We, some are trained to be kings and leaders, um, but there is no place where you can go and train to be a lover. And so a lot of us fall through the cracks. We look up weird stuff online. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we find ourselves in curious retreats in Thailand and mm -hmm. Bali and Mexico or wherever. <laughs> and, and here we are, like trying to bring together for ourselves a lover's education. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're, you know, we're providing that. Yeah. You, you and I and the broader community that we're, that we're a part of. Yeah. And uh, have you found that the, the men willing to put, go on a sabbatical, whatever that looks like, quitting their job or whatever, uh, were driven by pain? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and a lot of the guys who really had a glorious sabbatical and came out of it very changed and very whole, very grateful. Um, a lot of those guys were divorced and the divorce was like excruciating mm. painful. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, I guess, a funny thing about being a human. We're driven by pain more. Because like now, I, I, don't, I hope I don't come off as not sympathetic enough. But when a guy is really suffering about something like a breakup or something, I'm almost excited for him because I know he's going to do things that change. Like the stuff that really breaks my heart and I feel pity about is when a guy is like slow dripping uh, misery. Like he's living a, quiet, a life of quiet desperation. Like he's letting a decade go by before he makes a change or maybe never makes a change because the pain's never acute enough. That's what really makes me upset and keeps me up at night. But when someone's suffering, I'm like, all right, you're, things are going to be different. Yeah, brooding yeah. it, man. That's yeah. Just tell me, how bad was she to you? Yeah. <laughs> and then that guy, you know, that guy who took her off your hands? You, you, tell me about What an asshole. Yeah, tell me about him. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. All right. Well. <laughs> <laughs> but those, they, yeah, I'd love a way to spell this out. But I talked about this earlier, and I guess it's, like, for me, it was the difference, like, how to go from being this kind of lover boy into being a, a man who wants a full, committed relationship and is ready for that. And, it, and for me, it was um, that very slow and subtle becoming tenderized by the loneliness that was mm. there. And so that transformation was so important, yet so subtle. And you're never going to find that kind of transformation if you are on the phone every single night, if you are literally, you know, buying info products and watching people's YouTube videos all mm. night long. Like that sense of, I'm going to mm. improve myself to be better, sometimes, so often, there is a blanket kind of numbing consumption of personal development mm. media that we put on as a way to feel good. Yeah. Because it's interesting and if it's well produced and fun and so on, right. it, it gives us a feel good factor. It doesn't produce the cutting edge because, I mean, if you want a breakthrough, you can just make a breakthrough at any time. You make a breakthrough with women or with work or with life or you just say, fuck it and go and do something. But to snap out of the, the, the numbed out blanket consumption of personal development media. Yeah, I think that's important.
Mm. I, I see a lot of quiet desperation happening underneath that, that kind of media consumption. Yeah. I want to call that, take this opportunity to call that out <laughs> you know, at the end of the podcast. Yeah, I find that a little ironic because in a lot of, this, is, this comes up in the podcast, but a lot of my Instagram posts are, hey, you should get off Instagram. <laughs> and I'm like, oh man, this is not good for my marketing, <laughs> but but it's really what I feel like. It, yeah. There's a, have you seen the Louis C.K. bit about, you know, Louis C.K., the comedian? I know. Him, oh, yeah. Well, he has this great uh, clip on, uh, when he's on a late night show on Conan, I think, where he's talking about the beauty of sadness, which sounds something like you have to feel it for it to move you. But if you're on your yeah. phone all the time, you can go 10 years and not realize that you're upset and that driving catalyst that would have started your hero's journey would have been missed. Yeah. So pain's not bad. Totally that. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks so much. I'm glad I caught you before I, I leave for Africa and yeah. you may or may not be here when I get back. So, um, yeah, I'm glad. Yeah. My pleasure. I will be back later on in the year, mm -hmm. but, um, yeah. How can people find out about your work? Two places. Mm -hmm. One is they can come and find me at jordanlukecollier.com. Mm -hmm. um, I have some YouTube videos on the way out, hopefully cool. out by the time people get their hands on this. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, they, they can find out a bit more about my intimacy and relationship stuff mm -hmm. through that. And I'm still heavily involved with the Ars of Marata. We have um, group programs, online programs. We've got some live stuff coming up. You just go to arsofmarata.com. And there you can find a lot of Zan stuff, a lot of my stuff. Get involved with the community there. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much, man. That's yeah. Awesome. My pleasure.